I'm not a I'm not a, a lawyer or an accountant, so I'm not sure. All right. Uh, okay. Welcome to that's good thing podcast. You are number six, episode number six. Yay! Uh, to be on here, we had some great guests before, and you are going to be one in a long line of more great guests. So welcome to the show. Woo-hoo. We ha- here have uh, right. Stephanie. Stephanie, who is famous for writing her Vespa GTS, is that correct? You can introduce yourself. Uh, I guess famous. Yes, uh, I ride a, a 250 GTS, and I've ridden it across the country a couple times, a few times. Uh, I've ridden it in 49 U.S. states, and I think it's seven or nine. I lost count of how many Canadian uh, provinces and territories, and uh, I went down to Baja, Mexico. Um, the bike, I think, has about 75,000 miles on it right now. Wow. Seventy-five yeah, thousand miles. Yep, uh, I think around after after I don't remember the specific mileage now. A lot. Yeah, it was maybe a like lot. yeah, it was it was like six or seven thousand miles ago. I don't remember. Um, I swapped a new engine in. Mm-hmm. Okay, because that, that so. was going to be my question. Like, how much maintenance does a, does a <laughs> GTS need at seventy-five thousand miles? So I think it would have kept running, but the uh, the spark plug had been cross-threaded, so it wasn't staying in. And at that point, it's kind of like there was another engine that uh, found its way to me that was also a 250. And so it was kind of like, yeah, I guess until I figure out what to do next, I'm going to learn how to swap an engine. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, – well, if, if you can find an engine that quick, that's uh... – yeah, it's a uh, quick it was, solution, right? It was pretty lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and then I think it was uh, last year I took it on a few trips up to the Maritimes, uh, out to AMA Vintage Days uh, to speak on a panel about uh, all women motorcycle trip in Pakistan that I went on a couple of years ago and just rode it, rode it around, put a few, put several thousand miles on it. Yeah, all women's motorcycle trip in where? Afghanistan? In uh, Pakistan, Pakistan. Okay. yeah, super interesting. Oh, yeah, trip. I want to come back to that. I'm writing notes. Here. Yeah. Um, so we have this reoccurring segment on the show where we talk about uh, what we're writing, what we're working on right now. I'm gonna steal mm-hmm. this from you because I've been working on uh, building the engine for the Amari Vespa raffle bike, and I just came back mm-hmm. from Lake Geneva last weekend where we put it in and we did all the wiring harness until three in the morning. I had to leave at, at like eight in the morning again. It was a really stressful, oh, stressful, stressful. To the point that I didn't film anything. I have like some short camera clips, but I was so immersed in in work that mm-hmm. I, I just have a few clips of us wiring that thing. But I do have, uh, I just have a video out of putting the engine, uh, building the engine at Saint Cycle Works with Joe Sola. Um, we did some welding mm-hmm. on it and all that stuff. And then uh, next week there'll be one where it's going to be put together finally and it'll, it'll be running. So if awesome. anyone is watching, this is me where I hawk my stuff out. Um, um, go watch my shit. <laughs> what are you writing? What are you working on right now? Uh, so I have my uh, Vespa GTS 250. Um, and that's like, so far running pretty well i think there might be an air leak um but otherwise it is still like it's running i have a px 200 which is a franken bike 
um, it was totaled in Atlanta. I was, I was hit by a car, uh, and then put, put back together with whatever I had. So it has like T5 parts and it's, it's, I don't know, it's just all over, but it runs except now it's making a funny sound in third gear. So I need to tear that apart and I have two BMWs. Uh, I have a 2009 BMW cross country. Um, and that one is a really fun bike. Um, but has the tiniest gas tank in the world. And I just picked up a 1983 uh, R65. And that actually does run pretty well, but uh, the throttle is currently disassembled for, eh, just for a lubrication inspection. It's kind of sticky. I'm figuring it out. So it's it's running. It's just not together. <laughs> I did, so first of all, I I didn't know they sold mm -hmm. the cross country here in the U.S. because you barely see that that line of BMWs, the 650 that they had. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I specifically was uh, hunting it down because I saw one in San Francisco, and I think um, that series they only made them for three years, and they made three versions of it: the like cross challenge, cross moto, and cross country. But it was. Uh, I think it was the last year they made them, 2009. They actually dropped the seat height like another inch or so. So this was an enduro-style bike that I could ride without modification. <laughs> like I could ride this comfortably, and it's, it weighs less than my GTS. This bike is like all titanium and uh, feathers. I don't know. <laughs> um, do, you, do you take it off-road? Do you do the whole adventure thing? Uh, I've taken it... Uh, off-road in Canada for the there's an HU meetup and they have like a mini hum um, and I've never done anything like that before so I figured I would try it um, with a bike that was actually meant to do this uh, the bike uh, it performs really well uh, and just makes me feel like a loser because I don't really know how to like that's the first time I rode in deep sand it was kind of wild well you can't you can't get hurt that bad um, when you fall over in sand. Yeah, I, yeah, and it's like pretty slow speed. I got a KTM a five thirty because I I I, I mm -hmm. always I had a BMW GS back home in Europe and it was like the best bike you mm -hmm. can ever imagine, but it was also the most boring thing ever because you you can't any nothing goes wrong right you just sit in it it's like driving yeah. a Mercedes, you have seat massagers and everything almost and nothing can go wrong. Yeah. So I always wanted to go on an adventure, like start taking these things off road, but I have no off road experience whatsoever. So uh, I recently had the chance to pick up a KTM 530. I picked up that KTM and I was like, full off road gear, let's go. Ask someone for a trail nice. next, uh, close by, and it was a disaster. I ended, <laughs> I, I landed in like uh, a little pond with my bike half on the water. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> get out. It's... <laughs> um, I actually had to call my wife to come pick me up and bring straps. <laughs> oh, you went solo. Yeah, yeah, I went solo. It was a really, really oh, stupid man. idea. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but it's an adventure. Yeah, I gave up on that thing. It's a supermoto now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's funny. So, like, I actually meant to, um, when I signed up for this Pakistan trip, uh, they had mentioned, it's like, you should have some off-road experience. And I'm like, great, you know, there's a course that's nearby. I looked it up already. But that summer, I fell in Alaska. I wiped out in Alaska and broke my clavicle. <laughs> so 
So I didn't have time to take this course. It was like I was when we left for Pakistan, I was like just healed enough to ride with some confidence. So we arrived in, um, I think it was Lahore. And then like we rode out into the mountains and I don't know if this was the second or third day. The group is like, Hey, we saw this really fun looking trail. It goes up the mountainside like this. And it is just like a little dirt, like, um, so we tore off in that direction <laughs> and I, uh, was freaking out. We were riding local bikes, uh, their local Honda CB 150 Fs, I think it was, um, so little four-stroke 150s, uh, light bikes, fun bikes. Um, but uh, when we got to the top of that little trail, I had to ask uh, Liza to teach me how to ride uh, off-road. And she did. And we went up and down a few times and uh, proceeded to ride the rest of Pakistan. And I was much, much more comfortable after that. It was very much like a trial by fire. It's like, sure, just like toss you in the deep end. We'll figure it out. <laughs> But after that, it's given me a lot more confidence um, to, like, I, I rode in Thailand uh, this past winter, Thailand and Vietnam, and um, it's it's just, it's quite different. Uh, I think if I hadn't, if, if I had been thrown in that situation uh, five years ago, before, you know, taking off on my Vespa for so many miles, before going to Pakistan, before riding in other nations, whatever, uh, I, I would have been much, much more apprehensive. Um, but now it's, now it's really fun. <laughs> so was it this, uh, I, I put a picture up. Was it a street bike that you guys rode? Um, uh, yes, it was, it wasn't even meant for trails and we took it on like Deosai planes. It's hilarious. Like stuff like this, it was you know, fun. The 125s, well, not really 150s, mm -hmm. 125s is what europe now is basically riding all of europe when i grew up mm -hmm. it was all 50s so we had these like basically 50 cc two-stroke motorcycles and we'd go anywhere with them like 300 kilometer trips yeah. during a day my parents would text me where yeah. are you? Mom, i'm coming home i'm lost you know no gps no nothing i, I right miss, i miss those times yeah but yeah uh, i think i was on an xr150 in vietnam and that was a fun bike like we did some mountain passes on that that was uh that was really fun Honda oh yeah i see okay yeah it, it can handle a lot of terrain um and it's comfortable and light and anyway i was pleased i i hadn't ridden one before um i mean i would take my pee too like it's it's at this i think since coming back it was very like yeah i just take the pee everywhere too that would be a fun yeah I, I did i did take uh... I did a trip, I think it's episode 15 on, on my channel, we, mm -hmm. we, uh, I just put in new, a new disc on the front of my pee, and I called a buddy mm. and was like, hey, there's another trail, but this time I don't want to go alone, this was just after I had that debacle with the KTM, and he's like, but I don't have a yep. bike, I'm like, just ride my pee, and we took the, and yeah. it, was, it was some bad single track, like it was steep uphill and downhill, at some point we rode next to the train tracks and like, you know, the, the thick rocks. And the bike, the bike yeah. went everywhere. It was great. It was great. It was that yeah. great pee you saw um, at the uh, at the whiskey dick rally. Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah, that thing that that was before yeah, modification, think... but that thing went everywhere. And I I, I I really am toying with this idea of building an enduro, not an enduro. What do you a dual sport 
uh, P series. That would be so much fun. I don't, I P series or or something. Just cut it a little bit, put some extra yeah. stuff on it, and it'll be fine. Cut it yeah. down. Put a what's it? The rigid, the support bar yeah. in the middle. Yeah. I actually, I guess, I have ridden a P like around um, like logging trails in the forest. I think just many years ago in Richmond. I went to Dogwood, and I think it was Scotty brought his. Uh, I think it was a Baja P. Mm-hmm. It's something that's got that reinforcing bar and like nothing, like all the. All the metal's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I immediately, like, rode it into a log and stalled it. And thankfully, it was, like, in the forest, though, so nobody saw. <laughs> but then, like, once I started again, I, like, went through a river and then, like, crashed in a bunch of pricker bushes. And thankfully, no one saw that either. But uh, I did come back, and I was very wet and all scratched up. So... Um, that's basically the, the, I'm glad the, I... the, the mantra <laughs> of that scooter thing fail gracefully <laughs> yes fail gracefully or fail where people can't see you <laughs> yeah that's why I edit my videos you know <laughs> um, let's, ta- let's talk about your all women's trip to Pakistan that just sounds so fantastic mm-hmm. I, I am planning I'm going to throw this out here I am planning a, a podcast with because uh, there's a bunch of women's writers here in Cincinnati uh, I'll mm-hmm. plug their, their blog real quick. Now I feel like I'm, I'm shameful because I don't know it. Um, it is three women, one motorcycle blog.com. There we go. <laughs> nice. There. Three women, one motorcycle blog. Well, it's Jamie and Mel, and um, I don't know the third person. Shannon? Hi, Shannon. Sorry. Um, and I wanted to have them on about talking about um, women and write women and writing and what you just told me. Why did you decide to do a full women's trip in a country like Pakistan? Why? First of all, let's um, start with Pakistan was... and not why women, but okay. first, why Pakistan? So the trip was organized by Liza, who had been to Pakistan, uh, I think, two years prior, um, and she met Moin, the other the guide. Um, because Moyne was on her podcast, Motorcycles and Misfits, um, and put together a trip. I think there was, she, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong, but I think it was like a, a mixed group. And uh, she came back having had an amazing experience, but feeling like she only saw half of Pakistan um, because of how segregated spaces can be. So naturally, the next move is to make an all-female trip. And uh, I was on her podcast I think this would have been 2016, 2017. I was passing through San Francisco, um, and they're based in Santa Cruz. And so she had mentioned this Pakistan trip to me. And uh, that was kind of it. I had never considered it before, but uh, everything I heard about it was actually, it's really amazing. I think, uh, have you heard of the wandering wasp, uh, Juvina? No, I feel like I've heard this. She um, she rode her Vespa, um, I don't remember exactly, it's a P-series, rode it from Singapore to Europe. I went through 22 countries, and um, on the way, I think she said she spent a month in Pakistan, and it looked incredible, and her ex- experience sounded incredible, and I didn't want to listen to all the fear-mongering, yeah. so I signed up for this trip. I'm looking at the pictures right now. I mean, you... that bike looks so good. It looks like it has been through some stuff. 
Oh man, yeah. I think it's sitting in the window of a Vespa shop in like Croatia. I want to say I'm totally gonna. Yeah, it's 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 somewhere over there, um, and it's waiting for her to come back and pick it up. But uh, she she is also someone who's just like had an incredible incredible ride. <laughs> Wait, where did my pen go? And I, I I got to meet her in Singapore um, maybe last year. I'm really bad at telling time, if you can't tell. Oh, my, my screen's just went out. Crap. If you spend um, winters, and you, you, don't, you don't get to see any snow, you spend winters on the other side of the planet, of course like you have a hard time telling yeah, this. It, it is... I think even when I was like actively covering more ground and like living on my bike um, full time, it was very much like because you keep riding where it's warm. So you kind of just keep you ride through climates and you don't experience seasons or I mean, like it's just one unending un unfolding change of scenery. And I guess it's mostly just change of climate. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't the concussions. It's just that I'm bad at this. <laughs> Um, yeah, Pakistan, uh, it's beautiful, beautiful place, uh, really great adventure riding there, um, and just stunning scenery, the kindest people, it's just like hospitality is, is above and beyond, mm -hmm. um, like I can't even, can't even buy gifts, it's like, no, you just take, take them, it's very, and everyone is always very curious and kind, and, mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a lot of places. I had yeah. uh, Mark was on twice already. Um, he's the guy mm -hmm. who rode around the world in eighty days um, on the Vespa. Yep. And f I I I see that what you did was probably way different. And well, you know, first of all, you weren't on the Vespa, but the way you discover a country compared to what he did and the way he explained his experience was he was just trying to zip through as quick as yeah. possible because he was on a schedule, right? Yeah. So you can sit down and uh, take a breather and take everything in. Yeah. Although that Pakistan trip was, I think it was only two weeks. So for me, that was like, it, it, we were, we were riding a lot. <laughs> um, I was exhausted afterwards. Um, and I think if, if when I'm riding, like if I'm taking my GTS around, it's, there's much less direction. <laughs> it's much pokier and kind of, I mean, yeah, this Vespa has been, mostly based in uh, Boston for a couple years now. And it's just, take it, take it to Ohio, take it to uh, Cape Breton. Just kind of poke around whenever you can. So what was your biggest trip on that thing? Um, I guess it would be in 2014 when I uh, packed up my life and uh, left Rhode Island. And I, intended to ride to the four corners of the of the contiguous U.S. So uh, it was Key West, Angle Inlet, Nia Bay, and uh, Lubeck, Maine. Um, and I was also just like, I, I was done living in Rhode Island. So I sold everything, put some the rest of it in storage, and just like took off and was kind of like eh, shopping for a new, a new home, I guess. 
And I think I went to the first three corners in three months and then took 11 months to get to Lubeck via Mexico. <laughs> that would be, what corner um, would that be like? Um... Lubeck is the easternmost point. Mexico is not really, okay. yeah, on, on, it was, was not part of the plan, but I heard it was really beautiful and it was like February or something. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like a nice time to go to Baja. Yeah, <laughs> to take my Vespa <laughs> down to Baja. Yep, uh, that was that was fun. <laughs> that was amazing, actually. I'd really like to go back. Um, I might take a different bike, but eh, it was good on the Vespa too. What? Um, How did you choose your roads? Right, so you can you can go the the fastest way possible. I, I did you did you use mm -hmm. highways? Do you use back roads? Back roads can be boring too, which I recently learned. How did you, yes, how did yeah. you choose your roads? Um, I mostly take back roads um, if I know where I want to go that day. So I have like point A, point B. Uh, I will usually pick the road that looks the twistiest between them. <laughs> I, I mean, I know this is not really an option in some places like South Dakota or like yeah. <laughs> I think Minnesota, uh, Texas. Some sometimes Texas. Texas took me like three days to ride across. It was just, and it looked like, um, you know, like the animation, in animation you have the looped background. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of text oh, that just looked like that. Um, but yeah, it just depends. So if it is just like wide open flat land, uh, sometimes if you take the secondary roads, there are no services, so you can't find gas. So, and in those cases, I will just take like I-90 straight across, whatever it is, the highway. Um, I prefer... Uh, to take secondary roads. I think it was in Missouri. Uh, I took a lot of little back roads that sometimes turned into dirt and sometimes had some water crossings. Um, it had rained a lot recently, so it was a lot of high water. Um, so it just depends. <laughs> I don't know if that's a satisfying answer. Oh, no, no, no. I... It depends. <laughs> because it's, it's weird sometimes to pick your roads, right? Like we live... It is. I want to say 35, 40 minutes outside of downtown Cincinnati. So, and whenever there's something going on, mm -hmm. let's write down, but what way, road do we take, right? I don't want to take the highway. I don't want mm -hmm. to take the plain old, like, straight state route. There's always got to be an, a different option. But when you do that, and, and this is from here to Cincinnati, right? I can't imagine mm -hmm. what it means to do that going from, you know, Boston to California. I don't know. I don't know my geography very well. From one side of the country yeah, but to there's... the other. So... Right. But it is kind of great because you can pick it different. I mean, obviously, you could pick it different every single time. I, I've been coast to coast three times now on my Vespa. Mm -hmm. And all three times has been radically different. Uh, all three of the ways across. So it's kind of cool that way. Versus like, um, uh, so I lived, I've, I lived in New England for seven years before I took off. And um, I am so sick of Route 1 and 95 because that's those are kind of the only ways to get up and down the coast. It's like you take 95 and it blows. And through Connecticut, it's always traffic. You take one and it's like, okay, this is the secondary road, but it also is just so boring. <laughs> At least a lot of it is. What, what uh, I found as a European coming here is I miss road signs. 
mm. know every, every every intersection you have a sign that says hey this is the road you take to this town and this is the road you take to that town mm-hmm. but here when like a, an example we have hamilton dayton road i had to learn that that is the road that connects hamilton and dayton i just thought that was a, a street name right just a plain old street name ah. but i guess that road takes you left side you go to hamilton the other side you go to dayton there are no and that does make yeah. sense uh, now it does <laughs> i think that's i think that's pretty common in ohio and maybe a couple other states and it's not quite as common all over america i don't know if that's been your experience the only other place i got lost at was in richmond last year and we found our way oh. down <laughs> but yeah uh, uh what Richmond has some nice riding. Yeah, we we did this right. Were you at Amara Vespa last year? Um, that's, that's your corner. Not last okay. year, no. Um, we we did this ride. It was like let's go out to a historical site, and sure, we we just hooked up with this ride because they have many rides during the day. And it was a a big bike ride, right? So it was like uh, GTSs and, and big scooters, and then it was us with three. Um, old vintage bikes with the only vintage bikes in the ride which was already a big like uh oh and it turned <laughs> out it was half an hour straight a 55 road with a <laughs> bunch of red lights in between and on the way back i, I, I told m- my wife and my buddy who's with us i was like nope we're not we're not going there we're taking the first the first intersection we're going right and then we'll just find our way back that way because i i'm not doing that again and I think we were lucky because my, my buddy rode a Bajaj, like a two-port Bajaj, and he like barely made it up there mm-hmm. at 55. That thing was a trooper. And yeah, I don't think it would have survived on the way back. <laughs> <laughs> what have you, le- like, this is a very cheesy question, right? But what have you learned about the U.S. riding through the U.S.? Oh, uh, it is incredibly diverse. And the geography uh, is also diverse, but it also, it, it can, I, I think it can really divide people. Um, but it is, I mean, it's mostly, it's, it's a beautiful country and, uh, people are always kind to travelers. 99% of people are, are good and kind, especially to travelers. Um, but it is a little, it's hard it's 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 amazing that America is one country <laughs> because it could easily be so many <laughs> and sometimes it feels like it is where, where do you see the divides okay, I don't want to I don't want to get political I just like in terms of geography where do, where do you see <laughs> the divide where does America start uh, to be different than the one you know from for, for example where you live now uh, I mean, there's like a north and south divide. Um, I don't know if there's a specific line for it, but you do get to you do get to watch the landscape change, and you do kind of watch. Um, I don't know if it's fair to say people change. Um, you see a lot more churches as you go farther south. I feel, uh, or it's just different different churches. Um, yeah, when you cross the Mississippi, I feel like a lot of that, that might be a dividing line for a lot of Americans. Um, you tend to stay on one side of the Mississippi. But then as you go further west, things open up. Um, 
the desert is something is a is something I didn't didn't know how I would react to, and I really really love it. I uh, had some amazing I met some amazing people in New Mexico um, and New Mexico Arizona all of all of that Southwest is unreal to ride through and it is some of my favorite riding in the United States um, and California is basically it's its own nation <laughs> I, I don't want to like uh, prophesize too much yes. of like I don't know this is Steph version of America yeah. that... but it is I think it is very surprising that like it is that um, the US is one nation <laughs> Because they are so divided, like lifestyles can look so radically different depending on where you are in the United States. Um, and yeah, well, I have the feeling and in one, Ohio, it's yeah. like this is where life just keeps on going, right? There's nothing exciting happening. It's just it's just there. You hear and you do your thing. But then you look at like you look at Utah and everything is just gorgeous there. Or you look at Colorado and people live in mm. like postcard environments. Well, California, we have the best yeah. beaches and the most like. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then in New York, you have just skyscrapers, everything. And then you have Ohio, and there's nothing going on. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just <laughs> it's just incredibly, incredibly diverse. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's funny. I, I've joked that it's like before I, because um, I, I I'm American. I was born here, but I didn't grow up in the U.S. I grew up in Beijing and Hong Kong. So I came back for uh, college, and I didn't really have a very good understanding of the nation that I'm from, which is partly why I picked like oh I'll ride around the U.S. for my first big trip. Mm-hmm. Um, it's first of all, it's like a classic thing to do is road trip around the u.s but second it's like this is technically my nation but i don't really know anything about it i think at the time i would have been able to on a on a map of the u.s i can point out florida because that's pretty obvious california uh new york because that's what I, where I went to school <laughs> and uh georgia because that's where i was uh that's where i spent my childhood until like third grade um, and everything in the middle is just like question marks. So yeah, then I set off to ride across the U.S. I rode through 49 U.S. states, and now I think I know. I've seen more of America than most Americans. Probably yeah. Do you? Um, why did you choose to ride on a on a Vespa? Was there any other bikes you considered um, it- at the time? I, I had two other bikes. Uh, I had a Buddy 50, <laughs> which was my first bike. Um, and I had a 1983 Kawasaki 550. Um, the Kawasaki was just really heavy. Uh, it, it was a good a good bike, like just beefy little bike. And I wish I still had it because it would be a lot of fun to chop and to, yeah, to customize. And I got it for $100, so <laughs> it's kind of awesome. But um, I think it was the Vespa that was the most comfortable. It was just uh, for ergonomics. It was like nice big wide seats, pretty upright riding position. Um, it's like being seated at a dining table and then touring the country. <laughs> so it's really comfortable. Tons of storage. Strap things to the floorboard. Strap things to like things go under the seat. 
uh, I put a top case on it, uh, which I later sold and replaced with a Pelican case. Um, strap things, put things in there, strap things on top of that, passenger seat, just like I, I can carry my life on my Vespa. And too there's too much stuff. Case. Yes, I get it. Mm. Do you, so I had yeah. this talk the other day with someone about um, vintage versus automatic. You know that mm -hmm. real old uh, discussion, what's better, vintage and uh, yep. or automatic? Because I... Uh, I might be interested in doing the cannonball next year. And um, so there's ah. this big talk about why would you pick a vintage? And I feel like when you are on the back roads, right? Like, I mean, Ohio is full of back roads and you end up doing 50, 55 all day. There's no difference between riding that and an automatic because you just keep staying in fourth gear. Mm. Right. When you have a 10 mile stretch of back road, it's not that different. Aside from you looking yeah. at your temperature gauge and being scared that the engine blows up every two minutes, but <laughs> if you can manage that, yeah. you'll be fine. So, would you reliability aside, would you do the same thing on your P two hundred? Yeah, I think. I mean, like that was why I picked it up was because I was hoping to have another option. Mm -hmm. um, and I also just, I mean, the P200 is such a, it's such a fun bike. Like every time I, every time I take it out, um, because I, four bikes is a little ridiculous for me to have. I know that there are people with a much uh, bigger scooter problem, oh, yeah. but for me, yeah. <laughs> for me, four bikes is like, I have too many mouths to feed. I can't take care of all of you, uh -huh. um, but I don't want to sell any of them because they're also different. And then every time I go out, like go and sit on one and take it out, it's just like, oh, I can't, I can't give this up. <laughs> and the P two hundred especially is just like it's it's fun, it's comfortable, it's light. Uh, mine has oil injection, so it's like even easier. Um, and the and the oil injection works, so <laughs> I'm not too worried about blowing it up yet. I hope, except for that. Funny sound and third, yeah, I don't. I don't believe um, in the church of oil injection. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just uh, um, for in, in terms of riding experience, I I like I like both. I just uh, don't. I'm too lazy to like carry all this extra oil. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I would tour. I've taken the P two hundred on a few long rides. Um, I'm trying to remember the last one. I think I took it to the Gettysburg Rally, um, and it's great because it fits on the back of the truck mm -hmm. with, uh, and you can get two bikes on there with the big, like the wide GTS. It doesn't fit so well, um, but yeah, vintage versus modern. Yeah. Depends on what you want to ride. How? I, I. No, no. Go ahead. Finish. Sorry. No, oh, I would tour on both. How do you keep yourself document? Like, sorry, I'm trying to rephrase the question. So I have a hard time, right? I have that scooter thing going on, and I try to document as much as I can. And I see your blog, and you, mm -hmm. you, you do a good job of of telling your story. And I have a hard time keeping up because once I start having fun, I don't take pictures. Yeah. Right. So. So yeah. all the rallies that I usually go to that are amazing, I never take pictures. Like Bandcamp, <clears throat> sorry, the rally that we don't speak of is like <laughs> is like a picture maybe a year. 
And that's usually when we unload yeah. and take a picture of your bikes, and then like four mm -hmm. days go by and nothing, like my phone hasn't even been touched. Yeah, and I think it is, uh, it is, it changes your experience when you want to document mm -hmm. it because now it is kind of like you are taking your phone out or your camera uh, to to deliberately produce something afterwards, um, either for yourself or for other people, um, and it changes the experience to some degree. And uh, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just a different thing. And much um, more recently, uh, I'm finding, I don't know if this is because it's like, oh, this is now, you know, my fourth or fifth time back at this particular rally. Uh, I take my phone out a lot less because I really, really prefer to be in the moment. Like, I just want to be there and see my friends and ride around and have an awesome time. And, like, sometimes it's also, like, the photos are kind of boring. It's, like, at a whiskey dick. It's, like, oh, you've got a photo of the hot tub that is now covered in foam. <laughs> I mean, that's not even – it's not even scooters yeah. in that. <laughs> did, did you do – I don't know. Any of the rides there? I forgot. Cause I went uh, – Yes, we went on the short okay. ride. I did the long ride and it was a bit. What big, did you did the long ride? <laughs> I heard it was really long. It was really long and it was really hungover. Uh, it's like twenty minutes in the ride, yeah. you like ask yep. yourself, "What are you doing here?" But no, the, the ride yep. was super fun, but it was uh, I had a hard time staying focused. Hmm. Actually, I really liked the short ride. I think um, someone afterwards asked me, "No, it was someone asked like, God, were those the shittiest roads you ever saw, or what?" And I, I was actually thrilled. I was, I mean, we took little windy roads. We, you know, got lost because we didn't take the same road that was printed on the map. But whatever, they're all beautiful. And there's like, you know, some water and like there's sand and potholes. So you're like dodging and weaving through the woods. And then sometimes it would open up to a plane and beautiful day. It's the first day I was wearing a T-shirt out, outdoors. It was sunny. It was beautiful. So I, I, I got to uh, the lunch destination and was like, that was an amazing ride. That was like, you know, a little challenging, you know, had some gravel, had some things you needed to watch out for, but nice scenery, easy pace. And uh, apparently other people didn't share that opinion because they were a little rough. It was it's spring and the roads hadn't been maintained yet. And there was definitely some water Um I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, that, that it was like a nice, nice spring shakedown you ride. To watch the Lombrados again, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the roads, but damn, like the the first night, that's when we uh, did that short ride down to the the pub together. I remember I changed my mm -hmm. headlight just for the fact that it rattled apart on my last rally, la my last ride last year. It wasn't even rally; was it just a road? And I, I changed it, like put a new you know, $18 bulb in there, like the original P200 US bulb. Wow. And we take it out on the first mm. ride and it's just potholes that, got, that are <laughs> this deep. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, please, please stay in one piece. Yeah, I've... yeah I had a friend who uh, lost her headlight. Uh, the trim, the rim fell off. Immediately she just bought it too. I yeah. think it got run over afterwards. It's not... <laughs> I think she has an unlucky bike. Everything has been full of gremlins. Um, so what is, um, what's next for you? And we talked about this in the pre-show. Why don't you share oh, uh, what, what are you planning to do? Yeah. So um, this, this fall, I am hoping to ship my GTS to Europe. 
And I know that sounds counterintuitive because that is where the bike is from. Um, but uh, I looked at I looked at buying locally. I, I've I've wanted to ride around Europe for a while just because like the U.S. is so expansive. It's just the distances are massive, and uh, the thought of riding around Europe is like ah, that sounds nice. You can just go little little distances, and everything is a little more compact. Um, but there, and there are many other reasons. But uh, I looked at buying locally versus shipping, and it actually might be more affordable for me to fly my bike over. And uh, I work remote, so I'll be going really, really slowly. Um, every time someone, every time I tell someone I am thinking of riding, I'm going to ship my bike and ride around Europe. And they're like, "Oh, are you going to go to Scandinavia? Are you going to?" You know, I, I know people in. I know people in Prague, and I'm like, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, yeah, so I have to, I'm working at the same time. So I will be riding in two nations uh, for a couple months <laughs> um, and just kind of base myself in one place so I can set up my studio and actually hand things in and then use the, use the opportunity to like take two or three day trips to explore whatever is local. Maybe every like few weeks. We're talking like two to six weeks. Move to the next place. Why did you pick um, Spain and Portugal? Uh, there just happened to be a direct flight okay. to Barcelona. <laughs> it was just uh, easy. Uh, also, I mean, like I, I love I love um, Spanish and Portuguese food and wine. Yeah, and they're kind of affordable so i hear and i heard the coast of portugal is beautiful i have a few friends who will be there so i can go say hi to them and uh i heard lisbon is um has some resources for remote workers so i'm hoping to find maybe a community Um, if not then i'll just you know shut myself in to my airbnb or homestay and uh yeah (laughs) and just be really sad and working on my work Unless I'm out riding. Yeah, I mean, if you are, if you start off in Barcelona, will your bike be shipped to Barcelona? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the plan. I, I, I've, I, I am actually planning to um, get the, I guess, dial that in this weekend. I was gonna pick pick the dates and get start booking things. So. This is still a little amorphous, but I've done all the research that I think I need to do. So now it's just a matter of picking the days yeah. and putting down the money. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one, right? If you, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, well, if you need any help, um, I'm a European resource, I guess. Yeah, I would appreciate it. Uh, oh, yes, that's true. And you, pick your brain. if you need wine and food, you gotta, well, first of all, Barcelona is not part of Spain, depending on who you ask. Mm-hmm. So you're not technically starting in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that far from south of France. Like you should hop across. Mm-hmm. The French are crazy nice, and uh, the food is that that region of France is so unknown. That little you know nook that connects uh, France and Spain is so unknown, but so pretty. I kind of grew up there because that's where the family mm-hmm. vacation mm-hmm. would go all the time. Well, all the time every. So every so often, but um, that's the first place. Well, after visiting family and friends, that's the first place I want to go back to when when we make the trip again. Mm. Because it's it is pretty awesome roads, 
and amazing food and wine and you you, you can go it's my, my favorite thing you can go into a wine a winery or a wine reseller with like a jug mm -hmm. And they like give you table I've wine. Heard of they this. give you table wine, right? Yeah. They just fill it up for you. I mean, it's a, and you just fill it's a it. special wine jug. They have a certain color, but yeah, you just you just mm -hmm. fill it up, and it's like five bucks a liter. Ah, uh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> like I know, I, I I think I have currently I have a two about two months budgeted for this mm -hmm. um, before I need to come back to Boston, pack up again, and then I fly home to Hong Kong. Um, so I have about two months, and I already know that that will be too short for that region, for for Barcelona, Madrid, uh, Lisbon, and then maybe up the coast a bit. Do you know, do you know any Spanish-Portuguese? Um, very, very little Spanish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, way, the way for Americans so, yes, I'm gonna to learn. communicate I took, like, in Europe is you just speak very slowly. Mm -hmm. And very loudly. Like if someone mm -hmm. doesn't understand English for some reason, Americans always decide <laughs> to speak the same thing, just slower and louder. But slower and louder. Yeah. I feel like I got a dose of this when I was in like Vietnam too, where it's like people will just speak or Japan also. It's like, no, I don't speak any. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I can't speak any of this. And it doesn't actually help for you to speak it slower. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, so, uh, I really want to store my bike in Lisbon after the two months so that I can come back. Um, because I know again, it will be too short. Um, and I don't know, I think I, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be starting another list of places that I want to go back to. I mean, there's a, already a huge list for North America, oh. <laughs> like places I would readily go go back and ride. Name one. Like, what's the one with, like in a in a heartbeat you would go back to? Um, the coast of California is just it's so easy to like. It's just beautiful, even when it's even when it's cold and wet and rainy. It's kind of beautiful yeah. um, and foggy. Uh, I mean, I, I love the Southwest so. Um, Anywhere around New Mexico, Nevada would be like all all of that, all of that region. Um, I didn't get a chance to ride around Utah very much. I always found myself out of season, and it's it's pretty hard if you're camping on your motorbike and you're out of season to ride around Utah. Does it get cold there? Yes, at night it's it's miserably cold. Yeah. See, that's how much I know about you. I mean, I know the geography, right? But I, I don't know what it is to be in that environment. It's just weird because we've been living in the U.S. now for a bunch of years, and uh, everything mm -hmm. is so accessible. But you never get the time to get in the car and or in the, on the bike, yeah, and ride or drive out to Utah. We done Colorado. Colorado is the one place that mm -hmm. I enjoyed, and I think that was the border to where you felt mm -hmm. like you were actually stepping into a desert. You know, and all of a sudden plants mm. grow out of sand. You're like, wait, this is like the beach. You're like in the middle of a continent. And it's yeah. such a weird realization for someone who's just, I, I lived in continental Europe. It's been yeah, just lakes and forests. I think I had uh, an English friend who um, came to the U.S. and uh, I think got 
as far as Pennsylvania and was like, so where does the desert begin? And it's like, oh, it's you, you got to keep going. <laughs> You've got a ways to go. It doesn't begin in Pennsylvania. Unless you mean a cultural desert, and then that's debatable. I don't know. I had friends come over, and they were like all excited. Yeah, let's visit Lee in the U.S. And then they went to Miami, Florida afterwards because it was so it was so ah. boring here in Ohio. <laughs> oh. Actually, yeah, I think it was last year I rode around with my friend Anita, who we met in Pakistan on the all-woman motorcycle trip. And uh, she came over and we, uh, she borrowed a GTS, um, borrowed my boyfriend's black GTS, and we rode to AMA Vintage Days in Ohio. Um, and also, like, she, she was pretty excited. She's uh, Dutch and uh, currently working in Germany. Um, and was excited to ride around the U.S. But I think she had initially been like, so how far is, can we go to Florida? I think I have friends in Miami. <laughs> and uh, I um, hope I didn't shoot that idea down too hard. <laughs> Just because Miami is so, it, it was July. It's like, you definitely don't want to ride yeah. south. It is far too hot. And Miami is forever away. Um, totally possible. Can be really nice ride we're going to be spending all, all the entire trip just putting away miles though. So we ended up going to Ohio and then up through Canada a bit. And, uh, I took her to a couple scooter rallies. Um, and <laughs> you said, oof. <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I, I, is I, that no, a bad no, no, thing? No, no, no. I really want to get uh, some European <laughs> scooterists to come to U.S. scooter rallies. I, I honestly, I don't know what uh, European rallies are like because I, I, I come from like the 50s scene in Europe, which mm -hmm. was a lot more dick measuring. I think that's a good description of look what I have. <laughs> Your stuff is garbage. And then you come to the U.S. where there's a little bit less about the bikes, but more about the fun you can have. Mm, yeah, I think it is very much a scene thing. I, I, I really um, enjoy all the rallies, every single one we've been yeah. to, and it it doesn't matter if it's you know vintage or automatic or whatever. Um, like Amer Vespa has been yeah. great. Um, register for Amer Vespa 2019, oh. by the way. I'm, I'm still I'm stoked to go back there. Um, <laughs> you know, the 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 rally in the middle of nowhere is great. Um, the one we don't yeah. talk about is like the best thing that ever happens <laughs> every year. So. Yeah, I, I really enjoy the rally scene. I think uh, when I set off in 2014, a lot of times it's just, I don't know, I don't really have a direction. Um, but at one rally, I'll hear about some other rally. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'll just be like, yeah, sure, we'll just, I'll make my way over there eventually. I'm trying to get the guys from um, Maine to come to, to Bandcamp this year. They have like a 12-hour drive oh, to do that. I mean, Maine is like the most remote place in the U.S. You've been, that was one of your four corners, yep. right? Yep, yeah. It's a lot of logging. <laughs> um, but it is beautiful. So, uh, me, mm -hmm. have you done the cannonball? I have not. Um, I considered doing the cannonball as my first, like, oh, they go coast to coast. That's a great way to go across the country. And it is, but it would be such a different trip. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of glad. I think I, th I think... I eventually backed out because um, I looked at all the parts that I would wear through <laughs> just riding for uh, 12 days straight and uh, decided I 
would like to wear through my parts a little more slowly. <laughs> um, but I have friends who uh, really enjoyed doing the cannonball. Cannonball. I've done several of them. Um, have you ridden a cannonball? No. Wait, you have. I started no. talks with someone where we are planning to possibly do it. It's a lot of fun. Yes. <laughs> so I hear. Yeah, and I I want to do so the 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 idea is to do it on a really old bike, uh, but with a two hundred mm. engine. But I really want to do something, something silly, but yet so simple like drum brake can never you know. The less stuff you have on it, the less can go bad. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how old we can go, how much money we can raise. <laughs> That's a big one. Yeah. Until yeah. then, and uh, yeah, it's still in the in baby shoes. But I also I'm yeah. not the you, you've seen me. I'm not the person that usually should fit on a bike and ride uh, for two for a week straight. I don't know how long the cannonball goes, but for a long time. Yeah. I'm not the person it's a that to do that. So I think I should start getting my back ready for it. <laughs> do you, do you have any like tips for someone who wants to ride far? Like, what's the one thing that, uh, let's say top three. Put but your I, top three in there. Okay. How to make so, your ride more comfortable? Oh, um, I would invest in a good seat if that's an option. Um, like, I actually find the. Um, the modern stock P2 or the P seat quite comfortable. Um, the one that is it's foam. The, the Stella, yeah, Stella uh, has them kind of too. Yeah. Yeah, the Stella one is kind of harder, yeah. but like the P one for some reason, the P bench stock mm -hmm. seat is really comfortable for me. Um, and then once you have a comfortable seat, uh, you just add to it. So in the summer. You can buy these cheap mesh things. It allows for airflow and it makes it a little cushy. Mm -hmm. and those have been pretty nice. Uh, I really like sheepskin um, because, again, it's it's comfortable when it's cold. It's comfortable when it's hot because it keeps the sun off your your seat. Uh, it still allows some airflow. And because I camp when I go, uh, I usually take the sheepskin off and I stuff it in my pillow yeah, <laughs> so that I have a. You? Uh, yeah, this is another one. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I like sheepskin, if you can't tell. <laughs> do, you, do you use it? Like, it has to be real sheepskin, right? It can't be the fake Ikea. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how well the fake Ikea stuff okay. works. Um, but the real one, it's, it's quite breathable, and it's soft, and it's got a little bit of a loft to it. So um, I don't think I have the one that was given to me. For my seat like that you can buy ones that have a little strap so that oh, you yeah, can yeah, yeah. strap it to your seat yeah um so i i really like that. i think that one is on my cross country actually because the cross country has the most uncomfortable seat i've ever <laughs> stuck my butt on it, it's like it's 20 minutes in and i need to get off I, this I bike so yeah, yeah your seat I want a sheepskin for <laughs> really the, important the ktm because i can't i can't sit longer than half an hour on that thing oh yeah my God. yeah <laughs> Yeah, so uh, a really comfortable seat. Uh, some people like the the Airhawk. Uh, I just I wasn't able to dial it in like that weird floaty sitting on air feeling was not working air hawk for me. I have a friend. What that is. Oh, it's those 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 floaty yeah. pads. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, with the and then you in, inflate it to a comfortable degree. I have a friend who, on his GTS, which is already quite a wide saddle. Uh, and a long saddle, so this is a comfortable seat. 
he has an air hawk and a sheepskin over it. And if, when you sit on it, it's like sitting on a cloud. <laughs> it's a little weird because I actually like I I, I don't feel very connected to the bike, yeah. especially uh, with um, with uh, Vespa. Uh, you 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 don't actually have that many points of anchor. It's your your butt, your feet, and your hands. Um, versus like if you're on a motorbike, you know you have the tank between your legs. You can kind of grip mm-hmm. it with your knees, and there's there there are more points that you know make make you and the bike an integral like a one unit hmm. that is moving down the road so it's it with um i'm finding with the vespa i usually feel a little perkier uh and so having a seat that is with an air hawk and a sheepskin is just so oddly like you're floating on top of your bike it's very weird <laughs> very comfortable yeah. do you ever mess with suspension definitely weird does that like um i should but uh i'm really low budget so i haven't spent I money mean, if on you good have done suspension thousand miles without uh, suspension changes that says a lot that's, <laughs> that says a lot for the stock suspension so yeah it's not bad mm. um But I, I do have friends who really uh, they they upgraded their suspension uh, first thing, so that's a nice that's a nice thing if you're going to spend money on do it. Use a windshield. Um, yes, definitely. Uh, at least a short windshield to take the wind off of my chest. Um, but I don't like to look through the windshield, so uh, it's it's just a little shorty sport windshield. And uh, for all of my bikes, that's usually the first thing I'll put on there for ergonomic reasons. Um, except the P. <laughs> I don't like the P with the windshield. Every bike I've tried uh, that had windshields because I'm so tall always just mm-hmm. ended up being a funnel to have wind right in my face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wish for one day that's... I could experience what a nice windshield is like, but no, not yet. Tall, tall people problems. Yeah, I shouldn't be riding scooters, right? <laughs> so you're saying wind, windshield, you a good, mm-hmm. a good seat. Uh, yep, windshield, a good seat. Those, those make a big difference. I like to use a a, a cruise assist. Have you heard yeah. of a cramp those buster? Paddles? No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a yeah, it's a little paddle you put on your throttle, and uh, it it means that instead of gripping your throttle and then twisting. You can now rest your palm to hold your throttle open, and if you just need to eat up the miles, then that's that's a no-brainer. The thing costs like eight dollars, and it will save your hand. Um, so, yeah, if you just need to like make it go for miles and miles, and you're not doing a lot of like, I I, I leave it on in the city too because I'm lazy, but. Um, What would you say was the worst thing that happened during your trips? Like, wh- wh- when did your bike let you down? Um, you have a flat. Or... I don't know if it really let me down. That's high praise. Um, I mean, I was. Uh, I'm not super keen on riding in Atlanta again because I've never had. I've never had any. Um, not accidents, but uh, collisions, yeah. except in Atlanta, where I was hit twice. <laughs> so uh, Atlanta drivers, while very polite, uh, are not watching out for bikes. 
We were in Atlanta a um, few weeks ago, and there was a lack of scooters or motorcycles in general. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. Because they're all dead. No, just kidding. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all, and the drivers are always so sorry. They're so polite because this is the deep south, and it's just like I'm so sorry I didn't see you there while you're like bleeding out on the pavement or whatever. But um, uh, I I think uh. If my bike has let me down, it's it's not really the bike; it's it's user error. <laughs> it tends to be user error. Um, so the bike has been remarkably, uh, remarkably reliable. It's kind of like a BMW, maybe. Everyone buy a GTS two hundred and fifty. <laughs> I try it. Yeah, they're. I mean, they've been making the GTS for over 10 years now I think they've been making it forever with only minor changes it's crazy it is I think that's the one the Piaggio's doing it right it's going to be the one bike that's become a, become a classic again just the way it looks because they're not changing anything about yeah. it right? yeah exactly I yeah. rode one once on a ride in Cincinnati and my buddy had a a drink holder and you know <laughs> yes and he's short i'm not I, I couldn't ride it i had to like put my knee past the drink holder and i would bump into the into everything all the time oh wow i think you would need a different yeah, seat I, that was that was a big problem i, I uh, yeah. because it forces it was a the, the double position it forces oh, yeah. you into one single position and you can't really move yeah around. i don't like i don't like that split seat for the gts either and I'm I'm not very tall, mm -hmm. but the split seat puts me too far forward. Like it's it's annoying. Um, but anyway, yeah. It, I mean, the GTS is like after riding other bikes over winter, over you know whenever I can because I've ridden the GTS so much uh, at this point. It's like, do I have a chance to try something else? Yes, I'd love to ride this. Um, whenever I get back on my bike, it is it does feel a bit like riding a couch. <laughs> it's it's not. Uh, I don't know. It's a very comfortable ride, but it's I, I don't find it to be very aggressive, um, or hmm, I don't know how to put it. It's just like it's like riding a couch, yeah. you know, like steering this kind of like boat of a scooter down the street. And uh, there, I there are a lot of people that like touring on the GTS because probably because of that. Yeah. It's just comfortable and easy. I was looking through some of your comics. Do you still do those? No. Um, I was doing um, one drawing for every day that I was on the road okay. when I first set out. Um, just because I, I, I wanted to capture the feeling of slow travel. Um, and I was inspired by, I think Mo Willems has a book where he, about, you know, when he, when he took a year off to backpack around the world. Uh, and he did one drawing every day, mm -hmm. again, to try and capture that slower travel feeling. Um, ironically when i first set off i actually went really fast <laughs> compared to how i would ride now yeah. um i i was i was i was motoring along um and it was hard to keep up to do one drawing for every day uh i did slow down quite a bit and in in total i think there are 400 some drawings it's over 400 drawings for every day on the road for the first uh, it would be a year and uh, until I got back to Lubeck. So once I hit the fourth, fourth corner, uh, I, I think I, I was just too tired to 
draw one for every day. And at that point, I'd slowed down. So there are some days that, like, if I'm working, if I need to hand in uh, book work, there's nothing to draw for that day. First of all, I've spent the entire day drawing, so I really don't want to draw anymore. Um, but second, it's just like, well, now I'll just, I guess I'll draw me drawing because that's all I did <laughs> today. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to be creative, right? Yeah, I'm not I'm not actually a creative person at all. That's why I like go out and ride and I'm like, okay, I'll go out and do a thing and then I'll just like draw it so I don't have to come up with it myself. <laughs> well, this was fun. Oh, that sounded very bad. This was fun. I'm just looking at <laughs> I'm looking at the notes just to to mm -hmm. to see if there's something I want to touch up again. You really made me interested in the wandering wasp i'll see if i can contact mm -hmm. her yeah and get her here on her on yeah here. definitely it'll be fun mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i mean i have the utmost res most respect uh, like getting going on a trip in pakistan and all that stuff is amazing yeah oh and she did it all solo too and like learned to work on her bike yeah. which i guess i also learned to work on my bike <laughs> yeah um do you have anything you want to plug to our viewers that you want to share i mean i put your website in here let me know um nothing in particular uh, i i did just move my blog to my own server so you can find my blog at 250superhero.com mm -hmm. and uh updates have been a little lax last year i i didn't get to do that much last year but um because i am planning to get to europe in august um I'm planning to, to post more and have more activity on, on my blog. There you go. I'm just, I, I, I hid your face and put the blog up there. Okay. Good. Nobody wants to see my face. It's been quiet around here, but change is in the air. Yeah. How can people support you if they want to? Um, I do have a Patreon, and I think I have a donate button. Or you can just come out and say hi. I love meeting. I love meeting people, and like sometimes that's just how I would plan a route. It's like, oh, I heard that so and so is here. Maybe maybe I can go and say hi to them. Oh, so this is the point where you give out your full address and your phone number and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have an address because it's just my bike. <laughs> cool. Well, I. But I usually yeah. Think... I I usually post a schedule on my or a rough schedule on my blog, so you can follow me there. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Thank uh, you for having me. If you're listening, go follow Stephanie on Instagram and uh, <laughs> on 250superhero.com. Uh, from my side, don't forget to come to Mary Vespa. Um, just come to Mary Vespa. I don't know. I'm going to be there. Um, we're going to be selling t-shirts, which is going to be cool. So you can pick up a t-shirt from that scooter thing. Have you thought about making t-shirts? You should make t-shirts. Oh, I, I, I don't know where I would keep them. True. Because <laughs> you need different sizes. Uh, you might need, uh, you might have a unisex cut. Um, I don't know where to keep yeah. them. <laughs> and I don't have a way to ship them out. Everyone always asks, do you have shirts? And I'm like, do you know how much work that is? Yeah, but now you have now shirts. Now I have shirts. I, I just bit the bullet. They'll be at Bandcamp. So now they'll... you can now now people can get yeah. shirts. Yeah. They'll be at Bandcamp. They'll be at Ameri Vespa. So if you want to pick one up, come find me there. We'll have a vendor stand. We'll have a little stand where we show off some of our nice. bikes. 
that we built that are not that special, <laughs> but they'll be there. <laughs> um, thank you, Stephanie, for coming on. Uh, don't forget to comment. Mm, thank you again. Don't forget to comment, subscribe, all that good stuff, and I will see you next time. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.